0: I'm Carla. And I'm Michael. And we're Go Postal Podcast. We're the podcast that tells you stories about what people have done while drunk while also giving you some facts about boobs, booze, and the bazaar in the places where these stories take place.
1: We also have a weekly contest where you tell us where the F I am.
0: So join us for some drinking, learning, and laughing.
1: You can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere else you get your podcasts.
0: Find us online at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at GoPostalPodcast and send us your drunk ramblings and anecdotes.
1: You can also email your stories to GoPostalPodcast at gmail.com. Alfie Wiedersehen. Ciao. have another sip of wine Not okay all. all right liz is sipping her box wine welcome to perhaps it's you an unofficial unsolved mysteries rewatch podcast cheers to solving <laughs> these mysteries cheers we just did an, an air clink an air clink to that you can't see that because this is a podcast but that's what you, we You did. can imagine it
0: all of our listeners are very creative and imaginative and they can picture it that's true in their mind's eye yep hello everyone hello welcome are you ready to solve some goddamn mysteries hell yeah
1: because we're solve any of these ones <laughs> no we're not
0: <laughs> but man are the did we just let lenny into the other room and did he just come bursting back in here like he owns the place yeah. yes yep hey lenny you're kind of an asshole <laughs> lenny briscoe is my dog everyone by the way <laughs> if this is your first podcast that you've listened is that to husband
1: what yeah
0: is god lenny god damn get off my back what a nag No, Lenny's my dog. Now Samantha has to close the door. This is like a whole thing. (laughs) Did you know that we're not professional podcasters? That's a secret.
1: The mystery is how we have as many listeners as we do. That is
0: really the mystery. All right. Okay. Do you have any updates for our dear listeners?
1: Okay. So I wanted to say that the Patreon voting results are in. We allowed our patrons to vote on what we were going to watch this month for our bonus episode. And the winner was In Search Of with Leonard Ooh. Nimoy. There was actually a tie between that and Are You Afraid of the Dark? So maybe we'll do Are You Afraid of the Dark next month. Yeah, that's fine We don't me. have any better ideas, so yep. that's probably what's going to happen. Yep, sounds good to me. Speaking of our Patreon, we tried for the first time doing a watch party last week. That was really fun. It was super fun. So there's this free website called Rabbit, where it's like a almost like a meeting conference-type situation yeah. uh, website where you can invite people to a digital room, and then one person can stream Netflix or Hulu or whatever, and everyone in the digital room can watch, and then there's a chat function. So we watched last week's episode, episode 17, with our patrons who were available, and it was so fun. It was really funny. You guys are hilarious. Though, why are people so down on Captain Sharp? Yeah. I (laughs) gotta stand up for Captain Sharp a little bit. Some of the people who attended the watch party (laughs) thought there might have been a little illicit romance going on. They felt um, bad for the wife. I don't think they saw it as quite a, as pure of a Lisa story than we saw it as this did. really, like,
0: inspirational, like, pro-nursing tale. And then people were like, look at this guy cheating on his wife.
1: <laughs> and it prompted Liz to say some uh, perhaps controversial things about how you would allow your husband look, to get through a war. <laughs> look, if my husband has to make out with a nurse,
0: if that's what's going to allow him to come back to me alive, so be it. I don't care. Do what you got to do, Captain Sharp.
1: Listen, she was just doing a service. Was he a little smitten with her?
0: Maybe. Did he... Did she also literally save his life? So that seems reasonable to me. I don't know. (laughs) I had a very different reaction. It's true.
1: That's true. People really loved watching the Ogopogo segment together that was fun my
0: parents were around last weekend and i made them watch the ogopogo (laughs) segment that is how you know if a segment of unsolved mysteries is good if you make other people watch it that segment definitely gets five out of five rubber stacks for me hell yeah i think i gave the whole episode four and a half or four hell yeah but ogopogo Hilarious. Five, five, five across the board.
1: So it was really fun to watch them, the episode. We're going to do that again. We probably won't do it every week because not every episode is worth watching, honestly, <laughs> yeah,
0: with everyone. I don't know that I want to re-watch everyone and That's just going to be a lot of time also. Let's be real. So
1: here's what we'll do. First of all, join our Facebook group on Facebook. You can find us just by searching. Perhaps it's you. Um, We'll post in there when we're going to do a watch party. We also will post on our Patreon page. So if you subscribe to our Patreon, if you give money, just keep an eye on the page because we will post when we're going to do these watch parties. It was a ton of fun, so we're definitely going to do more. And yeah, we'll just post the link there on the day of. So we did it at 8pm on Wednesday because the episode came out Thursday morning and it was a ton of fun. So those are the kinds of perks you get if you subscribe to our patreon
0: yes Mm -hmm. which you should no you don't have to do that you don't have to but we love it when you do get some
1: extra shit so check it out think about it consider it uh do you have any updates i have a couple updates
0: update number one shout out to our listener in australia who wrote us a five-star review and commented that we are the most australian americans they've come across it's not
1: clear to me what that means but i think it's a it's a high praise I have no idea what that means because I've never been to Australia, but I'm extremely flattered. I just assume that anyone who's not in America is a better person than Americans. <laughs> no, exactly. So I take it as a compliment. If they
0: had said these are the most American Americans I've come across, I would have to drown myself in a kiddie pool of ranch dressing in front of a Walmart parking lot. Whoa,
1: whoa! Which I that would be the end you would deserve if if I was said the most American American
0: while holding two diet cokes. <laughs> at the same time.
1: So yes, every once in a while, we uh, game the system and check out what people are saying about the podcast in other countries, and that's really fun. So yeah, it's so nice. thanks to our Australian <laughs> listeners for rating us on Apple Podcasts.
0: Yeah. yeah, I I don't know. I definitely took that as a compliment. Maybe it wasn't
1: meant to be well, one. Well, it was a five-star review, wasn't it? So, so yeah, I had to have compliment, had to be compliment, I think. No one leaves five-star reviews and it's like, this is the shittiest podcast I've ever listened to.
0: Okay, sometimes people do because they don't understand how stars work. Okay, that's true. <laughs> but that's I don't true. think that's what's happening here. Like, sometimes I'll see someone say, one star, best podcast I ever listened to. And I'm like,
1: that's not how I'm that giving works. it a star. Like, it's a first star. place, one
0: star. It's like, no, that's not. No, mm. no, no, no. That hasn't happened on us, for, for- us, fortunately. fortunately. Okay, my other update is that I rewatched the forensic files about the Dan Short case, oh. who was the bank manager who was murdered after his bank was robbed and duct taped to a terrifying chair and yes. thrown into a river mm-hmm. so if you would like to watch the forensic files about it the episode is called very seriously stick them up <laughs> samantha's trying not to choke on her wine right now <laughs> uh if you have netflix that's collection six episode seven i know they're also on youtube and some other other places you could watch it um the forensic files mostly focuses on the duct tape which that ended up being the like key piece of evidence to convict those two brothers. So, And they even actually mentioned, though they don't say the show's name, but they mention Unsolved Mysteries in the forensic files where they said, like, oh, this case was profiled
1: oh, okay.
0: on a show, and there was a reenactment, and they got a bunch of tips, but none of them panned out. And what ended up happening is that Dan Short was duct-taped to that chair when he was thrown into the river, and all of the duct tape that was found with his body... Didn't have fingerprints. But the, like, last, like, the end of the duct tape that they were holding with their fingertips was used to duct tape one of his ankles to the chair leg. And when they threw that into the river, the chair leg broke off. And that one piece of duct tape, like, floated away. Well, this guy saw the police over by the river looking for stuff and just was curious and then went down there himself and he found it. Whoa. If you just saw a piece of duct tape... Would you go like oh this is probably evidence no no this but he is did garbage he picked it up with a stick and put it in a bag and brought it down <laughs> to the police station and then that ended up being the piece of duct tape Whoa. that had the fingerprints on it and they were able to line up all of the pieces of duct tape like a puzzle and show like that they were from the same strip strip and like wit where each piece was used on his body and then that's what was used to convict one of the brothers, the other brother, got a mistrial and they didn't retry him because he was already in jail for life for bank robbery. Okay. So, and I think the one that was convicted was the one that was actually his fingerprint. So, I can't remember who's
1: who right now. Well, but, and then one of them went on to kill someone in prison, yeah. Then the other one died in prison or something, yeah. They were the richest teenagers in the county, if you remember. <laughs> they had actually yeah, the
0: richest teenagers in the county. One was like 18 and one was 20, early 20s. And they had been investigated and ruled out because they cooperated with the police. They gave some guns to be tested to the police department and they didn't match the ballistics. And their mom was providing them with an alibi. So they didn't have any reason to continue suspecting them. Wow. But then it turned out this duct tape evidence floated up on shore.
1: Forensics for the win. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Also, one of the brothers, so they were also the reason they were ever suspected is they were spending a suspicious amount of money considering they they didn't have jobs and they were young people. Right. The older brother spent money, I think, to buy a car, to go on his honeymoon to Disneyland, (laughs) and to soup up a chainsaw. (laughs) Which again. Of course. The most American thing. Of course. Soup up a chainsaw. How
1: does one even soup up I, a chainsaw? I don't know, but
0: the guy who was saying it, the like FBI guy, like almost was laughing. And don't
1: even understand
0: how that would work. It's such a stupid thing to spend money on, I guess, or just sounds ridiculous. It, both, yes. Stupid and ridiculous. Anyway, that is out there if you're interested in... That's the chair is not nearly as terrifying.
1: In the forensic files? Yeah, they
0: just show, like, one picture of it. Okay. They don't Did dramatically... Do they show the picture of the
1: actual chair? They do. And it's not as scary as in the reenactment in Unsolved Mysteries? Because they're not, like, dramatically pulling it out of the water. It's <laughs> <True>. just, like... <laughs> Where it's dripping and then they slow zoom yeah. in on it. Like, it's just
0: the... Photo the cops took like the lighting isn't dramatic, so okay. you're like, oh, that looks terrible. But you don't go, that's the most horrifying thing haunt I've me ever seen of my days. <laughs> yes. No,
1: okay, got it. Which
0: is why I, uh, it took me a little bit to realize, like, oh yeah, the duct tape because it really is all about the duct tape. Okay, sure. The forensic files, not even so much about the bank. Is property. that why it's
1: called Stick'Em up because of the duct tape is oh sticky? My God i was trying to figure out where that pun came in i thought
0: stick them up with because they robbed a bank
1: and you go like maybe it's
0: stick them up but you're right it's a double you're right it's also because the tape is sticky and forensic (laughs) files is the worst (laughs) my favorite but also the worst stick them up yeah
1: it's pretty bad
0: well thanks for that update that was a great update wow so we if you're following along on amazon prime We are on Season 2, Episode 18. We are almost done with Season 2. We've got some plans, too. That's true.
1: Yeah, so this is the second-to-last episode in the season. Next episode is going to feature Liz's husband... Yeah. Because we have half the episode, if RFK. not more, is all about RFK. And both of us have been spending literally all of season two. We've just been dreading this episode. we going, how are we going to... Trying to figure out... Can we out- not
0: do any research for that RFK segment? So this is what we've come up
1: with. We're going to make Liz's husband do it. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> look forward mm-hmm. to that. Um, and then we're going to have a uh, season finale... Of yes. Listener stories. So you have like two weeks to get in listener stories if you want to. We've be gotten a bunch of them. We
0: haven't read them yet because we want to be surprised. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling they're super good. If you heard our season one finale of listener stories, those continue to be the most terrifying stories I've ever heard in my life. Yep, New Michelle. I will never Haunts forget all. New Michelle.
1: Ever, ever, ever. Or the shadow, the dark shadow oh, at the top of the stairs. That's darker than darkness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking terrifying. So, if you have scary—they don't have to be that scary, just even mildly interesting will take them.
0: If you have, like, an uncle who thinks he saw Bigfoot, that's a story. That sounds great. Yeah. If you cut Robert Stack's hair. You i know i keep bringing it. that up but someone out there did
1: someone so write in please write in and so send those to perhaps it's at gmail.com there's also a form on our website we're gonna yes. have Kara back on the show she's got another alien story i guess yes and then we're gonna tell some of your stories then we're going to do a Q&A I think. We have some some filler content we're going to throw in because I'm getting no, married at the beginning it of September. No. content. We have some
0: exclusive <laughs> special bonuses. Okay, okay, okay. For our That's our true. loyal
1: fans.
0: Yeah, Samantha's getting married. is on vacation.
1: So we're going to take a couple weeks off, yeah. but we're going to try and fill in. We, we'll probably only have actually one week where we don't have anything.
0: So if you have any questions for us like mm-hmm. why the hell do you think you get to have a podcast? Send those in as
1: well. Yeah. And check out our social media because we're going to be asking for all this stuff on there and it's going to be fun. You can always find us at Perhaps It's You on the Things. Yep. Except
0: our email, which is Facebook, Perhaps Instagram, it's and Twitter.
1: If you haven't joined the Facebook group, honestly, it's real fun. You'll hear more about mysteries. Yeah. And it's, and it's the easiest way we have to interact with you. So yeah. I know it's not everyone does Facebook. We're also on Instagram and we're also on Twitter. You can interact with us there. Um. Yeah. Is that all we got? Should we? Oof, let's get into it. Jump into this. I've got episode? Some,
0: some real sad <laughs> yeah, That's to talk why we're about. drinking wine. Yeah, we need a little buffer for season. What is this? Eight, episode eighteen now. Eighteen season two. Okay, we're gonna start with a sad case. This is the Lawrence Harding Jr. case from Chicago, dating all the way back to June thirtieth, nineteen forty four. And I will say that the fashions in this segment are my absolute favorite the fashion fashions. In this whole yet.
1: episode is really good.
0: The mom in this segment is so stylish mm-hmm. and I love her outfit so much. And yeah, okay. This is, goddamn, this is sad. So this case starts with Jeffrey Harding is at school. And kids are making fun of him Mm -hmm. because he has a brother he never met who was kidnapped. But what the fucking hell? What? What kind of sociopath child (laughs) is like, hey, Samantha, guess what? Your brother got kidnapped. (laughs) It's so terrible. It's so terrible. So he goes home and he's like, mom, these kids were saying this to me. And the mom's like, yeah, so you did have a brother that was born before you were born and you never met him. And yeah, he was kidnapped. And I... Didn't tell you because you're eight. And I was waiting until you're a little bit older to break this horrible news on you. But I guess the chip playground children <laughs> taunting you. School bullies. Hey, yeah. are the way that you found out that you had a younger brother you'll never meet. Yeah. 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 If uh, you were this person...
1: Stop listening to this podcast. Yeah, you're not allowed to listen to this
0: podcast (laughs) anymore. Also, I don't know. Go do some good deeds to, like... Make up for it. Karma this out. Yes. (laughs) Is that phrase? Karma this out. (laughs) Karma this out. (laughs) (laughs) The universe is unbalanced thanks to you. So, this is the story that we hear from the mom of what happened to Lawrence Harding Jr. It was the morning of June 30th in 1944. 10-week-old Lawrence Harding... Was with his mother, Margaret. They went to the store, and while she's like at the store, these two teenage girls come up and they're like, "Oh my god, you're the cutest baby!" Blah blah. blah. And she
1: doesn't really think anything of it because why would you? It wasn't really cute reenactment. She's like, "Thank you. I'm, it's my first. Like it was. Yeah, she's was just a super like, cute interaction. If you don't see the rest of the segment, she's just like
0: chatting with people in her neighborhood, right? And I don't know. If two teenage girls tell you have a cute baby, is that suspicious in any way? No. Probably that baby was super cute, and she was like, "You're right." This is a cute baby. Thank you. Um, So she and she didn't recognize him, but she didn't really think anything of it. So she's walking home from the store. She notices that the two teenage girls are falling behind her, but you know what? They probably live in the neighborhood. It's probably not a big deal. She gets home. She's taking the groceries inside, and she asks her upstairs neighbor, who's like putting laundry out on the deck, like, hey, can you watch my baby while I run the groceries inside? And the woman says, sure, no problem. So as this woman is like folding a sheet or something... The two teenage girls come up, snatch the baby, and run away. And so the neighbor is, like, calling out, like, hey, stop, blah, blah, blah. And the mom comes running out after them. The mom gets too late of a start. She can't catch up to the teenage girls, and they make off for the baby.
1: Yeah, because the mom is upstairs, has to run down some stairs. Yeah, (laughs) the girls run away. It's so, so awful. And why would you do this? I don't... Yeah, it's really... I don't understand. I don't
0: understand the motive of this at all. So... The teenage girls abducted Lawrence. Um, three days later, the parents received a call from a woman who claimed that she had him and she was planning on returning him. However, they never get a ransom demand. They never find out, like, how he's being returned. They never hear from these people again. Right. So even if that was true and not a prank call, like, nothing came of it. Um, the FBI was involved. The Chicago police were involved. But they found no trace of him and his car- or the kidnappers, and it was called off. So it was in 1953 that Jeffrey Harding found out about his brother because his schoolmates were taunting him. So it's we meet a grown-up, Jeffrey, who is now searching for his brother. Um, He files a Freedom of Information Act in 86, and he was able to get the FBI records for Lawrence's abduction. And he also hires a private investigator. So the Unsolved Mysteries segment, in addition to the reenactment about the kidnapping, is also about, like, his search to track down his brother and what they find out is that on july 4th 1944 so just a few days afterwards one of the kidnappers was at the railroad station and asked this elderly woman like can you hold my baby while i go to the bathroom i'm just gonna be a second and the elderly woman is a little bit reluctant because she has to get on the train and she's like all right hurry you know right i understand your predicament
1: Right, because what she said is that there's nowhere to put the baby down in the washroom. I need to use the bathroom. Will you just hold him for a second?
0: Yeah, so she's trying to be helpful, but is also like, I do need to get on this train. Right. So be right back. And the girl's like, oh, yeah, no problem. Well, of course, girl never comes back. So the woman assumes that she got on the train and also needs to get on the train. So she gets on the train with the baby, assuming that she'll find the teenage girl in there, but she's not on the train. So she arrives in Chicago no she arrives in st louis Oh, okay she didn't find the teenage girl on board during the train ride so she goes to two railroad porters and says hey did anyone talk to you about a missing child and they're like no and she says well i'm going to magnolia arkansas so (laughs) if anyone is looking for this kid that's where we are and they're like okay
1: It was a different time.
0: Yeah, it's (laughs) the 40s. I'm not sure that she... She probably felt like the baby was safer
1: with her than than leaving it with railroad porters or the police. Or with this teenage girl. Yeah, and that's probably true, Yeah, honestly. Well, and in the reenactment, and I don't know if this is what the woman actually said, she said, I have nine kids of my own, so one more. It's not going to be too much. (laughs) Can you imagine? Oh, just one more baby, whatever. I suppose at that point. Would you have
0: nine? Yeah. So... She supposedly took this kid to Magnolia, Arkansas, and the private investigator found out about it through these FBI files. It, it's not clear whether the FBI had really followed up on that or not.
1: It really
0: didn't seem like they were trying that hard. I kind of doubt that they were. Like, they, is I, this going to yeah. be a top priority for them? Sadly, no. Um, so, So Jeffrey finds out about this, and he's like, oh, great. Magnolia is a small town. Like... Let's get the private investigator there. We Someone's going to know about somebody's this. Somebody's going to know about this. Well, he hasn't come up with anything. So their theory becomes that she was just visiting Magnolia, Arkansas for the 4th of July weekend and either lives in St. Louis or Chicago, and that's why she was on the train. Right. That's it. That's it. People. It's unsolved. I'm so sorry. It's still unsolved. Yeah. Um, the abductors are never identified. The older woman is never identified. Baby's
1: never found.
0: They don't think the older woman was involved in the abduction or w- did anything nefarious. Right. But they never find out who she is. They think she might have lived in Magnolia in 44, but nobody there remembers her. And it's this right. pretty place. They know she had nine children. That's it. That was so sad. I know. There are no actual photographs of Lawrence available. Because he was a little tiny baby. Yeah. Yeah. So that's super depressing. If Lawrence was still alive, he'd be seventy-three years old today, and probably would have no idea any of this.
1: Probably, yeah. Unless his mom told him, the woman who raised him told him.
0: But she even wouldn't then, think, who would she, she wouldn't know? She what, wouldn't necessarily even know he had been kidnapped. Right. She could think he was abandoned. Exactly. Instead, he had a family that was looking for him. Yeah. <laughs> So that's pretty sad. I, I that would have made a great 4th of July episode. Sure. I seriously wrote down no update. I hate it.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty terrible. And his brother is a very sympathetic character and you really want him to have you, found yes.
0: his long-lost brother and he never did. It's just hoping to find his brother and hoping that his brother is willing to be friends with him. And it's so sweet and
1: Yeah, and then you just get punched in the gut at the end.
0: Or it's like, uh, nothing ever came of this. Yeah, so... So, thanks for nothing, FBI, as usual.
1: Yep. Yeah. Pretty much. So, number two. (laughs) We have another mystery. This is a wanted. And I was wondering where you thought Robert Stack was at the beginning of the segment. It looks like a train station? Yeah, I thought it was a train
0: station. Also,
1: like, he looks a little disheveled. Like, the trench coat is hanging open. Look, he had a rough night. That's him and
0: his, like... That's him hungover. I think it might. That's have been. like him as rough as he gets. Mm-hmm. He woke up in a gutter. <laughs> in a gutter, yeah.
1: Throws on the trench he's coat. He's like, "Oh, I gotta get to work."
0: <laughs> he puts the trench coat on. Yeah, you don't know. There's like a banana peel and all this other stuff under the trench coat from the garbage he slept in. But he had a wild time, all you right? Sure. So this is this is hilarious because he's just like. Slightly unbuttoned, we're like, <laughs> no,
1: he's falling on
0: hard times, everyone. He
1: looks exactly the same.
0: It was 3 a.m. at a pawn shop, and Robert Stack was like, "How much you give me for this Burberry?" And they
1: said, "75
0: cents." I'll take it.
1: I'll take it. I gotta
0: make some phone calls.
1: Did you ever watch the, that TV, that reality TV show, Pawn Stars? Yeah, <laughs> sadly, yes. <laughs> The worst show ever. They'll make this big show about... They bring in an expert. It's like a it's like a rare coin or something. So they don't know anything about rare coins themselves. So they have to bring in the rare coin expert. They don't know anything about anything. And then the rare coin expert's like, oh, this is a really rare coin. It's worth a lot of money. You really have a jewel here. And then the expert leaves. And then the guy's like, all right, I give you $5 for it.
0: Yeah, because he's a snake. I don't know why <laughs> anyone brings anything to that pawn shop except that they want to be on TV. Because he's that? always like... Oh, a Babe Ruth baseball? Here's the thing. Babe Ruth doesn't even play anymore. So <laughs> the best I,
1: I could do is like 10 cents. Yeah. Sorry. I don't
0: know that anyone's going to want this. He you hasn't been around for a while. You know what?
1: You should give me $20 to Just take to that. take
0: it off your hands and right. also make out with your mom. <laughs> He's such a bag. I know. I hate him.
1: Okay, so this is... This is <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Good thing we got that out there. Okay. Our anti-pawn star stance. <laughs> Controversial takes left and right. Controversial. So, Pedro Uri Uribe was the was part of the Colombian Medellin cartel. I know I didn't pronounce that right. He formed a suburban drug ring that peddled drugs in an affluent New Jersey suburb.
0: I seriously wrote down. Oh no, cocaine! (laughs) And then drug use needs to be decriminalized.
1: So Robert Stack says... Great note, Liz! Quality. Oh, oh, no! cocaine." So Robert Stack says that this wealthy and quiet neighborhood is the last place you'd expect to find a criminal gang, but its isolation no, and it's security not. was exactly what they. Wait, m- rich people do cocaine? What? I had no idea! What? So the isolation and security of this small suburban neighborhood was exactly what the mastermind of this money laundering ring was looking for. Uh, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: The 38-year-old Pedro was ruthless and ran his drug, drug ring by fear. <laughs> Why is to- that funny to me? Well, <laughs> unlike other
0: drug rings that ran on respect <laughs> and camaraderie and hugs.
1: It's not like the drug ring down the street that had therapy puppy Fridays. <laughs> one right on fear guys not popsicles fear (laughs) ice cream social on tuesdays (laughs)
0: that's how you get me to join your gang
1: ice cream and puppies yeah 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 so we see a reenactment of a meeting in pedro's fancy house the 80s colombian drug lord fashion is something else it's beautiful so they're all wearing what kind of look like wool suit jackets yeah, they look hot. Pedro has not a, in an attractive way. No. Pedro has a black turtleneck under his with a gold chain around his neck. That's how snack. you know he deals drugs on top Samantha. of the turtleneck. Yeah. Also his necklace might as well say I deal drugs. <laughs> or
0: just be a cocaine spoon, I guess. A cocaine
1: spoon. Uh to his left is a man wearing what looks like a gray sweater. Like a poofy, gray wool sweater made into a suit jacket. And then the ugliest tie I've ever seen. And he also has a mullet, which I thought really completed the whole look. Samantha's
0: in love, everyone. Her eyes right now are just hearts. There wasn't... Like the emoji.
1: In May of 1986, the FBI began round-the-clock surveillance on several of Uribe's properties. They soon discovered that Uribe... trucked in people to pose as families living at these properties in the weekends. And hilariously, these mock families change from week to week. That's what no I find... One ever hol-
0: noticed. That's what's hilarious to me. How many different people did they get to do this? Did they explain to them why they were doing it? Like, it seems easier to get one fake family to periodically go to the house than to get like 12 different fake families. And
1: have them rotate. And have
0: them rotate to like throw a Nerf football in the front yard so no one thinks it's a drug house.
1: It's also hilarious that no one ever noticed that like the dad of this family was different every week. No neighbor was ever just like, hey, Jim.
0: And then like, that's weird. Last week you were black. All right, whatever. Apparently not. Or like, since when did you have blonde hair,
1: Jim? <laughs> like, why would you keep getting different families? I don't know. Uh, I guess maybe that's what happens in rich neighborhoods. I would think they would be more nosy. Yeah, I would think so, because they have time. Right,
0: but apparently <laughs> not. They were too busy doing cocaine. So
1: in the evenings, in order to appear less suspicious, live-in babysitters, cool and doing air quotes, were hired to occupy the homes your ebay also chose a if anybody wants to hire
0: me for that job i am available just to
1: live in a house and yeah things. i mm-hmm. mean it sounds like a great job
0: yep i will come and watch netflix in your home <laughs> i am
1: available perhaps it's you
0: podcast is gmail.com there's any
1: drug lords listening <laughs> and you need some fake families fake babysitters Fake babysitter give us a call Do you want me to come over with two dogs throw a wall around hey we're available Um, So he also chose a certain kind of home for his operations. The homes had to have attached garages with automatic garage door openers, and this would make it easier for drug ring members to move in and out of the homes. So he also ran a money laundering operation in which low-level members who they call smurfs? I wrote that down as well. These
0: smurfs. No explanation given for this name whatsoever. I think someone watched too much of the Smurfs. Maybe. So they (laughs) would go to banks. You know how the Smurfs would use the word smurf for like other words where they'd be like low-level cocaine. Smurfing around with those smurf berries. Like they just inserted the word smurf a lot. I think that's what happened here.
1: You know how there was those smurf characters that were low-level Cocaine dealers. Maybe Smurfberries was code for cocaine. For cocaine, maybe, maybe. So they would go to banks, giving away fake money in order to get real money from money orders. The FBI learned that with the drug ring and money laundering schemes, Uribe brought in approximately two million dollars a week. That's $2,080,000. Yeah. That's so many A dollars. Oh, week. So, on September 3rd, 1986, the FBI noticed two men with suspicious amounts of boxes arriving at one of the homes. This is the guy that had the excellent booty that I posted oh on Instagram.
0: Oh, my God. Listen,
1: listen, <laughs> this booty. First of all, I did not know how this man could walk in those tight jeans.
0: Tight jeans is three tight.
1: Oh, my God. Could he breathe?
0: <laughs> I was just reading... This was part of a very excellent Twitter thread about male crop tops and how they need to come back. But
1: these are the jeans you'd wear with a, a crop top. Yeah,
0: for sure. And there was lots of pictures of like very athletic men wearing <laughs> little crop tops, which how used to you be a thing. Yeah, exactly. That used to be a thing. People were saying we need to bring this back. But in I that discussion, it. there was talk of as gay rights has improved in this country, straight men started wearing baggier and baggier clothes. <laughs> Did they put a chart on the screen? No, but they should have. But it was like, as they realized that men might be checking out their appearance, they were less and less interested in showing off their abs, etc. That's a damn shame. And they show how basketball shorts used to be super short, right? I need to see the line graph. And then now they're like down to your knee.
1: Wow. Interesting. So I think that people did used to wear much tighter jeans. jeans were as tight as I've ever seen. And he was wearing these like high heels too. And he was strutting. Was, was that the guy wearing the hat? I don't know because I wasn't looking at his head. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, these are, these are seriously my notes
0: for this segment. These Smurfs, end quote, Look at that hat. Very FBI heavy episode. This cocaine looks like bags of lentils. World's ugliest chair. I'm going to train my dogs to buy me drugs. That's a photo of Scott Mayo no no it's about the booty i see you
1: drew a, the hat though <laughs> i
0: drew the hat apparently they showed a photo of someone i thought looked like scapeo and i'm gonna train my dogs to buy me drugs
1: <laughs> can you imagine lenny going on to try and buy drugs uh, he would be so bad he would come it. back with a bag full of milk bones <laughs> hey, Lenny, what is lenny? this where's my hundred dollars you're supposed to buy cocaine with that money lenny <laughs> what the fuck He's like, yeah, and I bought this for myself. (laughs) Joke's on you. All right. So, yeah, so they're unloading a suspicious amount of boxes
0: in their tight jeans.
1: Suspicious amount of boxes. How many boxes is that? Suspicious amount. I don't know. (laughs) 12? I'm not sure. I mean, it was only suspicious Uh because it was the house that the FBI were watching. Sure, yes. Anyway, so they assumed that there was cocaine in the boxes, so they decided to move in on the operation. Uh-huh. Sure. And then the next evening, the home was raided in the most ridiculous reenactment of a police raid I've ever seen. It is very silly. They run up to the store and scream, police, open up! And then without skipping a beat, the <laughs> other guy bursts the door down. Sure.
0: I mean, why would you give people time to open the door no. after you ask them to open it? No. So it was something
1: else. Uh, but what they did find was more than 300 kilos of cocaine. Which are just, like, in-kitchen cabinets. In and, like, potted in the Yeah,
0: Yeah, the part where they, like, have the dog sniff. And then they go to this potted plant and they, the plant is like clearly fake. So they just <laughs> lift up the plant and where you would think there would be dirt was all this money yep. that had cocaine residue on it. So the dogs smelled it.
1: $800,000 in cash.
0: That's when I wrote, I'm going to train my dogs to buy me oh, drugs okay, okay. instead of smell drugs. Okay.
1: okay. If they can sure. smell them, they, they can-, can buy them. <laughs> yeah. And who would suspect Lenny without no buying drugs? No one. Look at that little bastard. <laughs> so, however, Uribe and his henchmen have been tipped off and vanished prior to the raid. He is now believed to be regularly traveling between the United States and Colombia. He was last sighted in New Jersey in 1989 at a relative's christening. Along with Uribe, they were also looking for his henchmen, but guess what? No update. They were never found, as far as I know. This is an episode with a lot of no updates. Yeah, that's it. No updates. If you find
0: updates satisfying, you're going to
1: hate this episode. Well, I didn't Google it, so maybe there's an update I didn't see, but... Yeah. Whatever. Let's just say no. I mean, this seemed like a victimless crime, to be honest. Yeah. Rich people want cocaine, they bought it. Yeah. They laundered some money. I don't know. What do you want me to be... Sympathetic about it.
0: Yeah, there's much sadder things in this episode than that.
1: Right. I mean maybe they were doing other stuff. I don't know. But actually they did kill someone. Didn't I say that? Yeah, he did kill someone's entire family. Okay, so he wasn't the greatest guy. (laughs) He (laughs) wasn't victim of this crime except for that entire family. He wasn't the greatest guy. There was yeah, there was that murder, and I'm sure others. Okay, but the segment did not
0: focus on that. That's true. That's true. It focused on what I'm pretty sure were bags of lentils. hidden hidden all over this kitchen which meant you just opened a cabinet and it was apparently full of cocaine that's what
1: cocaine looks like don't you
0: know and were they lentils they just opened the stove oh my god you guys there's <laughs> so much cocaine here and then you know those those swat guys did some of that cocaine
1: oh yeah they pocketed some of that for sure
0: because there was so much no one would ever know
1: yeah no way yeah all right we got another super sad one super so duper sad. super change. short
0: though that's true it'll be over quickly it's like a shot or pulling off a band-aid yep This is going to be terrible, but we'll get through it together. This is the case of Rachel Runyon uh, from Sunset, Utah. I like that they put no no known nicknames on all selves wiki. She's a (laughs) three-year-old. So, first of all, she probably did have nicknames. Probably. But they were not known. So, very, very sadly, three-year-old Rachel was abducted from a city playground behind her home on August 26, 1982 by supposedly a black man driving a blue mid-sized car. 21 na- days later, her naked body was found hogtied in a creek off a dirt road in Morgan County, 20 miles from the playground. <sighs> yeah. It's really, really awful. Also, Robert Stack is introducing this segment from a warehouse for some reason. To make it spooky, I guess. Yeah, I right. don't know. That's, like, seriously all there is to this case.
1: That's it, except for their weird speculation about her being in a snuff film.
0: Yeah, so we'll we'll get to that. Which is
1: probably not what Years later,
0: a disturbing message was found in a bathroom of a local business. This is not the first time that someone on Unsolved Mysteries has taken bathroom graffiti seriously. (laughs) I'm going to insist again. That is not evidence. No. People can write whatever they want on a bathroom wall. You do not have to act like that's legit. This is not connected to the case in any way. No, it was probably
1: just dumb teenagers. Someone
0: wrote, beware, I'm still at large. I killed the little Rayan girl. Remember, beware. And then they drew drew an upside down cross that says six six six. So then they are like, "Oh, a satanic cult's involved." I uh, know a teenager bought a sharpie. <laughs> yes, there is nothing accidentally actually. Can't even talk. I'm so mad. There's nothing actually connecting that graffiti to this case. No, not there's at all. nothing about that that only the killer would know. Right. There's nothing. It's not even at the same place or any. It's just the bathroom of a local business. Yeah. <sighs> So then they're like, oh, maybe it was part of a satanic cult, a ritual. I realize this case is not solved, but I'm going to rule that out. Yeah, That's, that's, that's not, not what, what happened. happened. That's not what happened. An inverted cross. What? 666. Six, six. Yes, also, as Samantha mentioned, the police go on to wildly speculate that Rachel might have been videotaped in a snuff film that she was molested, abused, tortured
1: and murdered in. Is they're- there any evidence to say... No! To say- so, they're just wildly throwing out these things that are going to haunt her family for the rest of their lives.
0: They show this picture of her in the dress she was wearing when she disappeared and then say, please suspect she was wearing this in the snuff film. As if one of the
1: listeners (laughs) was like, oh yeah, that snuff
0: film I was watching last weekend had a little girl. Like what? I'm going to call in and admit to watching a snuff film so that I can provide a lead for this case. Also, snoff films are really not real. That's not, a, That's
1: yeah, it's an urban legend for the most part. It's terrifying. Yeah, and there's been a few, but like, that's not what happened to this little there's girl. There's no evidence probably. that. I it, mean, did she did? die horribly? Yeah, but that's really probably not what happened. And also, they're just saying that's so irresponsible for them to say that she was molested, tortured, and then killed on a video, and then tell that to her parents, yeah. who probably believe the authorities. Well, why would so they? So now you're thinking that your baby is on this film that sickos are watching for the rest of your life. That's horrible.
0: That's really horrible. There's no reason to think that. They're just trying to come up with a reason people would kill a child.
1: And then, yeah. I don't know why
0: videotaping it would need to be involved. I don't know where they came up with this. I I want to blame the movie 8mm, but that hadn't even (laughs) come out yet.
1: Liz just really wants to talk about this movie.
0: I do. I was brought this up before we even started recording. Maybe... You have a movie that you love to hate watch, (laughs) and if it came on right now, even though you think it's the dumbest, stupidest movie that was ever made, you would watch the whole thing just so you could complain about it. So you can bitch about it, yeah. That movie for me is 8mm. Okay, okay. A movie that the first time I saw it, I could not stop talking about for a week, (laughs) and all of my friends were like, Liz, what's wrong with you? Shut up about 8mm, and I'd be like, and another thing that doesn't (laughs) make sense. Because that movie is about Nicolas Cage being hired to find out who's in the snuff film that's found after this old man dies. Okay. And he like goes around an extremely gritty city that is not real to investigate it. And the thesis of the movie seems to be, don't live in a city?
1: Okay. It's a very anti-urban <laughs>
0: okay. development. I don't, it's baffling. Joaquin Phoenix is killed with a crossbow. Uh-huh. That's the level of realism that we're dealing with. <laughs> James Gandolfini is there. That's what
1: happens when you go into the city, don't you? Yes.
0: Know? It's all it's all everything is like dark, like dripping. Like everything has some sort of leakage problem. Sure. Uh Joaquin Phoenix is there selling porn. Okay. And everything is like back alley snuff film sales and <laughs> Mobster James Gandolfini attaching people to spinning targets. You uh-huh, know how uh-huh. you know how mobsters just have giant spinning targets to attach people to to kill them with of course. crossbows because they don't just shoot people in the back of the head. No, you got to make a statement. Oh my god! <laughs> I need a new podcast where every single week you it's just, just me
1: about and another thing. <laughs> Wow, no one would listen to that. Listeners, you guys should tell us which movies you like to hate watch. Yes. And you can't shut up about when they come up.
0: Yes, because, man, oh man. It's really hard for me to stop talking about this right now. (laughs) This is the update on this case from Unsolved Mysteries Wiki. It is still unsolved. The investigators looked into the possibility of a child serial killer such as Arthur Gary Bishop... He was, however, ruled out. In 2007, her case was reopened. A former inmate living in New Mexico has since became the prime suspect in Rachel's murder, but the police do not have enough evidence to bring charges against him. The man lived in Utah around the time of the abduction and matches the description of her abductor. In 2011, he was arrested for assaulting his girlfriend, and kidnapping her son. He has not been publicly identified, and the case remains unsolved.
1: Do they not get any DNA or anything off of... I don't...
0: There's so little information on this case.
1: Hmm. It's really sad.
0: Yeah. And her brother was there when she was abducted and, like, told her not to go, and... Oh, no. It just seems so traumatic and terrible. Oh, my God. Um... They did reopen it, I think, 25 years after this happened, and are still looking into it. But,
1: oh, well, it's really, depressing. really sad.
0: So yeah. let's just move on from that
1: to a sweetheart swindler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we open this segment with Sarah, not her real name, answering a phone call from an unknown gentleman. She is wearing quite a sweater. I wrote down great sweater, ugly china cabinet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite a sweater. Uh, she doesn't know this guy, but he uh, is the sweetheart's windler, And all he has to do is cold call her and tell her that they'd met a year before in a restaurant, which she didn't remember happening, and that he would like to take her out on a date. I mean, you know, this is before any internet dating. True. She Was she divorced or widowed? Yeah, she was divorced at the time and hadn't been dating. So to her, a date with a nice sounding man seemed fun. Yeah. So she agreed to have brunch with him the next morning. According to Unsolved Mysteries, people have brunch in pitch black rooms. <laughs> in velvet booths. <laughs> it's just there's one light above their booth and the rest of the room is dark.
0: Yeah, this looks like some place you would go to smoke for like five hours straight. Yeah. Not have brunch, but
1: okay. It does seem like they're drinking mimosas, but uh, anyway. It seemed like a place that would serve prime rib. Yes. At night. At night. Anyway, uh, brunch went well, and this guy who called himself Jerry won Sarah over. They spent the whole day together. He told her that he was a jewelry dealer and that he was constantly on the road. He said that he had a driver, but he'd sent his driver to make a delivery across town, so he was temporarily without a vehicle. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: That delivery across town also is going to take all day. Exactly. That's how
1: jewelry deliveries are. it's... Diamonds. I don't know. He claimed to be a widower and to be very lonely. He was looking for someone to travel with him for work, visiting the best hotels and restaurants across the country. Robert Stack said, quote, he confessed to Sarah that she was just the type of woman he'd been looking for. I feel bad for her. I know. But also, that's like the creepiest thing I've ever... Yeah. I'm looking for someone to travel around the country with me and you are just the woman I've been searching for. Isn't isn't that the creepiest thing you've ever heard? us, it's creepy, I'm sure to her. No, to her, she was like swept off her feet. Yeah. Um, so that evening Jerry took Sarah and her daughter Ellen out to dinner. Ellen was skeptical at first, but uh, Jerry won her over as well. Not skeptical enough, Ellen. No. He showed them jewelry samples, which he kept in a wrinkly white envelope. (laughs) Yeah. And
0: you know when you have really expensive diamond rings? You carry them around
1: in a letter envelope?
0: Yeah. I guess he was like, oh, these mean nothing to me because I'm so wealthy. But it's also like, you would have a case, dude. Yeah. How are you going to, is that how you go to your sales pitch? You just (laughs) dump out (laughs) an old envelope full of rings and you're like, yeah, you want any of these in your store or
1: not? Right. So in all capital letters, I wrote the day after he and Sarah met, Jerry began to plan their wedding. Yeah. Yeah. They were going to go on a road trip that would culminate in their marriage. Sarah tells Unsolved Mysteries that he was the type of man to take control and that she liked that. She says that she likes a man who, quote, will kind of take over and take charge which uh just makes her a perfect victim victim for this kind of scam yeah unfortunately so jerry wastes no time getting to the swindling part of this whole thing he tells sarah that he will soon be receiving several checks and that one will be made out to her he wanted her to deposit it into her account so she could pay her bills before they left for their road trip what sarah didn't know is that the check had been stolen from one of jerry's former girlfriends and that he had made it out to her himself So later that day, Jerry rushed Sarah to the bank, telling her that the check had just arrived. At the last moment, he asked Sarah to take out cash for him. We don't hear how much the check was for, but Sarah withdrew $3,000. Also, I need to
0: say they don't identify him by name, but the bank operations officer (laughs) is dreamy. He
1: is real sexy, yes.
0: Now my eyes are just hearts... so cute yes, so
1: this is where it, um, they needed an approval from yeah, the bank manager or whoever I'm just um, gonna fan myself because over it here. was an out of state check and he tells us that Sarah was a good customer and that she insisted that the check was good so he okayed the check for her uh, I hope that like I didn't get fired or something I hope not He was going to be fine, though,
0: with those looks. For sure. He'll bounce back.
1: So we hear from Sarah about (laughs) Jerry's plans. They were going to Nashville, and they were going to meet up with his kids. He was apparently going to use the money to buy her a five-carat diamond engagement ring. I
0: was just like, why does he need to buy a ring? He's got a whole stupid envelope of (laughs) them. Doesn't make any sense. That's his wares.
1: He's selling those.
0: Yeah. He can't give her... He sells diamond rings. And he's like, oh, we gotta go to this other city to buy a diamond ring. The thing that I sell
1: and have on me. You know what? I can't explain it. So the day that they were to leave for their trip, Jerry asked Sarah and Ellen to meet him in the lobby of a hotel. He never showed up. The reenactment is really sad. It is really sad. they're sitting in the hotel lobby and Sarah is like, how do I look? Blah, blah I'm so excited for this trip. And then, yeah, he never comes. And then you slowly kind of get the impression that they come to realize that this had been I'm scam. glad that it's not the real woman, because Damn. that would be so heartbreaking no, to reenact. No. So, not surprisingly, the check Jerry gave her was no good, and she was conned out of $3,000. So I'm sure she did not have three grand to spare. I don't think so. Sarah went to the police, where she discovered that this guy had been practicing this scam all over the country. Uh, we meet Jim Griswold of the Arlington, Virginia Police Department, who has a lot of product in his hair and what I call a scotch tape mustache. <laughs> It, it literally looked like scotch tape oh, below his nose. then it wasn't this one. That was the next one, I think. Okay. It was. You almost couldn't see the mustache unless you looked pretty close. It was like a shadow. I'm not sure I even saw that's it. That's why it looked like scotch tape. It was weird. I don't like that at all. That could not be the winner. I did not like it either. Uh, anyway, um, so he says that this guy is sus- a suspect in at least 22 other cases in 15 different states. And he says that... These are um, just the cases they know about. He estimates that only about a third of these cases ever get reported due to the victims being embarrassed. He said that she
0: shouldn't be particularly embarrassed, which I took to mean just a little embarrassed. You yeah. should be embarrassed, but not like so embarrassed <laughs> you don't tell the police. Just be like the right amount of embarrassed.
1: The next guy is Captain Dennis Beach of the Columbia, Missouri Police Department, who I think is the mustache you drew. I
0: call this the standard.
1: Yeah, it's a very standard cop This mustache. is not my
0: pick. There's a better one later. Yeah,
1: I see the other one you drew, and I know who that is. (laughs) Um, So, anyway, Dennis says that they think the sweetheart swindler located his victims through newspaper ads and lonely hearts clubs, and he tells the audience to understand that this is all Jerry does. This is how he makes his living, and he is very good at it, so don't be embarrassed for being pulled in by this type of scam. Don't be particularly embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's saying to be a little embarrassed, (laughs) but at least come forward. So they're looking for, quote, Jerry Gamble, although investigators don't know if that's his real name. I wrote down, I would not trust someone with the last name Gamble. No. No. That's a bad fake name. (laughs) Yes. So he has stolen at least $125,000 from his victims. Anyway, the result is that he's captured. There's a twist here. An Unsolved Mysteries viewer suspected that her friend had been swindled by the sweetheart swindler, so she contacted the authorities. Gamble was arrested in Kenosha, Wisconsin, under the name Robert Cook, in March 28, 1991, after he had swindled the woman out of $10,000. Police recovered 12 different false identification cards, all in different aliases from different states. They also found bank checks recovered from previous victims. Gamble, a.k.a. the Sweetheart Swindler, was eventually identified as Elf- Alfred Barrackett, a Canadian national. He was yes. convicted of larceny and fraud. That's the twist, Samantha. He's Canadian. <clears throat> I didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming either. And he served uh, several years in prison and has since been released. So keep an eye out for that Yeah, sweet, you might be swindling
0: sweet. your grandma right now. Just like, what was that guy's name? I forget. The.
1: Oh, the. The heart attacker. The heart attacker. <laughs> yeah. I drank too much wine. I couldn't remember.
0: The heart attacker.
1: Yes. All right. One more. Time
0: for another sad one.
1: This is the case of the
0: Gainesville killers. This dates back to March 7th, 1988.
1: This is a case
0: I could find very little out, out, out about this case, and I was surprised because this seems like the sort of crime...
1: I googled this after I watched two and there's nothing.
0: There's nothing, and this seems like the sort of thing they would make five TV about. movies about. I thought this would be sensationalized to hell. I was like, believe. how have I ever heard of this? This is the sort of thing that keeps people up at night yeah there should be at least 12 id channel shows people about this. like to act like this is a very common crime and it's not but yeah we've never heard about this anyway no all you
1: find when you google these killers is they're like police records. whatever. yeah records. there's nothing there's nothing okay so this is the a case where two at the time of the
0: segment unidentified male teens committed a murder spree that began in gainesville texas continued into farmsville then went into saratoga arkansas And sort of, like, it does, like, a triangle. Like, Mm -hmm. they basically end up where they start. Um, And resulted in the murders of four unconnected strangers. And then you get a little story of their needless, bloody rampage. Yeah. This is sort of, like, in cold blood with a little bit of natural-born killers. Yeah. And yet... You never hear about it ever, and it's crazy. So around 10 a.m. on March 7, 1988, the suspects were sitting in Gainesville. They were looking around the car that belonged to the father-in-law of Tommy Matthews and Kenny Davis. And so those are my – I couldn't decide for MBM. Those are my picks. These are two witnesses who saw two teenage boys in the reenactment wearing, like, metal head shirts and denim vests, hilariously. The one you drew, is that the guy with the blue trucker hat? I think so. So Kenny Davis, yep, I'm calling the yep. mountain peak because the, it comes up to two very distinctive points and there's like a gap
1: between his lip uh-huh, and his uh-huh. nose. And it's got the handlebars going on. Yeah. And the really the whole look for him too is because the trucker hat, the kind of way he has his head tipped back all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's like posture <laughs> is very nonchalant for someone who's on television. Um, and then his, it seems like brother... I They're think. related somehow. They're related somehow. Tommy Matthews has a mustache. I'm calling the whisper. Oh, I can barely see
1: that one. Yeah, because it's
0: just these really faint blonde, <laughs> unsettling hairs. <laughs> like I don't.
1: You like you would need to pluck them. Really, it's like not something yeah. you actually shave.
0: Yeah, like a wax might have been more in order <laughs> for Tommy Matthews. I, I think I'm going with the mountain peak as my pick.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I like that one. So anyway,
0: they're driving by, and they see two teens, like, clearly rifling through their father-in-law's car, and they go, what the hell? What are you doing? And then the teens very suspiciously go, oh, we need to use a phone, which, what? Like, no one had a phone in their car. So they're like, yeah, he doesn't have a phone, so knock it off. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to walk down to the corner store then, bye. So that's where this starts. So they just left, and there was no incident. About an hour later, about 200 feet from when Tommy and Kenny saw the suspects, 23-year-old Dina Woodward returned to her trailer and was brutally stabbed and nearly decapitated with an axe. While her
1: baby slept in the other room.
0: Yes. They left her one-year-old son, Corey, abandoned in the trailer and stole her blue Thunderbird before driving it 60 miles south and ditching it in an unknown location. Uh, that's really, really horrible. Totally needless. I'm sure she would have let them take the car.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. What? I'm sure she... Yeah, God. I'm glad they did not harm the son, but it's really, really, really awful. So they then went to a nearby Farmsville farmhouse belonging to 85-year-old Cecil Morgan and his 62-year-old son, Cecil Morgan Jr. They broke into the house and beat and tortured the men for over an hour. It's terrible. I... They shot them to death with one of... Oh, they also stole guns from Dina's trailer. So they shoot him with one of the guns. Then they stole the Morrison's beige Chevy pickup truck, which they then drove into a lake. Okay. And then they threw Dina's guns in the lake as well. They then cross over into Arkansas, where they are seen by witnesses multiple times walking along a highway. At 10 p.m., the two men. Re- this this is the one where the reenactment really breaks my heart.
1: The reenactment is gonna haunt me forever.
0: <sighs> so at 10 p.m. they arrive at the, a trailer in Saratoga owned by Kenneth Olden, where they ask, they like knock on the trailer. They ask the guy that opens it, like, "Hey, our truck broke down. Can they help us?" And this guy is so nice, yeah, that he comes with them. And <sighs> why, like, why take advantage of someone like that? And just senselessly kill them. So, uh, where was I even? Okay, so they ask for help with their truck. His girlfriend, Brenda, witnessed them leave, but she didn't really get a good look at them, and I'm sure she didn't really think anything of it as it was happening. A few minutes later, they shoot and kill him. They, like, show him walk out there, and he's like, he's like, hey, there's not a truck here. And they just shoot him. For no reason. Absolutely no reason. Then they steal his vehicle, which was an 83 Mustang. Then, then dumped that in a creek in Brown Springs, Oklahoma. Why? Yeah. Why any of this? Nothing about these deaths or thefts made any sense to the Texas, Arkansas, and Oklahoma State Police. The only clue that they had to the killer's identity was an earring that had been left in Cecil Morrison's truck. And they show the, the earring.
1: extra <laughs> earring. Which is, it's a what is it it's like a a bat bat carrying the moon or something it's it's literally like a gold bat carrying yeah some sort of
0: yeah oh it's a skull being carried by a bat it is the most hilarious earring and this is on the news or something and a boy watching it's like hey that's my earring that my girlfriend gave me and i lent it to my friend (laughs) so then i wrote down voice to your earrings just one bat skull earring cool i had no idea if dudes are out there swapping earrings i think that's adorable it's really adorable and i oh, love dude, it i
1: love your earring can i wear it sometime
0: yeah you can borrow <laughs> my sweet skull earring with a bat on it so i can he like went on to explain he was a
1: pretty cute kid i have to, say.
0: <laughs> to explain how they would you know swap earrings yeah. sometimes for dates and stuff <laughs> this kid unlike these murderers super sweet and adorable yeah. don't know why he's swapping earrings with murderers anyway <laughs> so that's how they track it down to the two murderers from this bat earring <laughs> okay anyway this is just really upsetting it is upsetting. i hate this case i hate it yeah um So, they were searching for the killers when this aired on a March 28th, 1990 episode. They were captured, thank God. September 1st... I'm so upset. February 1st, 1990, 18-year-old William Glenn Henry was arrested after his fingerprints matched those in Kenneth's car. He soon identified his accomplice as 19-year-old Davy Lynn Crockett.
1: Davy Crockett.
0: The most American name in the world.
1: Uh, don't name your kids Davy Crockett. No,
0: don't. Ugh. They may act out in yeah. extremely violent ways. Um, Crockett led investigators to Dina's car. Oh, that was the car that they couldn't find mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, the most stunning part of their murder speed was that they committed the cold blooded crimes just because they were bored. Yeah. Henry pleaded guilty to three counts of first-degree murder and was sentenced to two consecutive life terms on April 21st. A few months later, Crockett was also sentenced to two life terms for the murders. Both are now serving their prison term at Betco, Beto correctional facility near Tennessee Colony, Texas. Henry was denied parole back in 2005, and Crockett was granted an additional 10 years for being in possession of a weapon.
1: Parole? Didn't these guys get like six 99-year sentences? (sighs) Yeah. How are they up for parole?
0: Uh, I don't understand. Yeah, the system isn't great.
1: Ugh. Lots of We're people, keeping people in prison yeah, for no reason. They,
0: they had some pot allegedly lunch.
1: held up a gas station with a gun. Remember that one guy? Yes, that guy was innocent and for sure. These kids kill three people because they're bored, get ninety nine years plus in jail in prison, and then they are for parole. I mean, I guess at least he was denied, but. It's odd. That's ridiculous. And
0: I've tried to find more information there's on this nothing. case, and there's nothing.
1: Because as soon as I found out his name was Davy Crockett, I was like, okay, I need to Google this. There's nothing. All you find there's... is, like, their records in prison, like, their performance reviews or whatever the fuck yeah, you do when you're in prison. so odd. That's all you can find. Um,
0: I mean, not... A lot of crimes, not the things we talk about in here, but a lot of crimes you can look at as just failures of society. Mm-hmm. Like, people are forced into unfortunate situations. I I mean, I, we don't know the backstory of these two boys, but this seems like the most senseless, yeah. needless, disgusting violence.
1: Mm-hmm. And... These are the people who should be the people putting in prison forever.
0: Who should be in prison, <laughs> unlike most people who are in prison. So... I don't... If anybody knows more information on this case... Is there a
1: podcast that we could listen to? I, I would be even, interested in it, yeah, but it seems like there's
0: nothing. It seems like there's nothing, and I just kind of hate it. There, You can find Dina Woodward, Cecil Sr., and Cecil Jr. on Find a Grave if you want to leave a message for them. Um, I'm really surprised that there's not more on it, because it, it seems like the sort of thing that people act like at any moment... A Two teenage boys roving, are gonna c- come kill yeah. you for fun, right. While wearing bat earrings and <laughs> metalhead t-shirts, yeah. Um, but I, don't, I maybe there was just something else going on in the news and Simon. No one cared. There was also a part where a witness finds one of the cars run into a river. And he recognizes the size shoe from their footprints. And I was like, Who
1: is this guy? Was he was like,
0: Oh, yeah, they wore like a size nine, size 10. I don't know who that was. Maybe he was a shoe salesman, but it seemed he very was like specific. He like a cowboy.
1: At first, I was like, Is he in law enforcement? But he, No, he wasn't. was just the
0: guy that found the car. <laughs> that was weird. It was weird. Um, if you're gonna steal people's cars,
1: please just steal their cars. Yeah, and if you're
0: bored, I don't go to the mall. I just, I don't know. <laughs> go see a movie. There's gotta be something better than almost chopping a woman's head completely off. Yeah, I, I, that that sounds gross. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is that enough of a That's just yes.
0: Oh, I'm sure someone listening to this podcast was about to go do that, and they're like, I don't know. Liz says it sounds gross. <laughs> I don't think I am gonna cut someone's head off. Just think of the mess. <laughs> Yeah! You uh, don't want to do that. Oh my it's god. It's very... I I hate it.
1: This was a very unsatisfying episode. Should we read nah, it? Yes. Alright. Mysteriousness.
0: Actually pretty fucking mysterious. Yes. We've got a lot of unsolved cases, a lot of horrible cases. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing paranormal or anything like that, but... Those really aren't that mysterious. <laughs> yeah, also true. These
1: ones, though. Yeah. Yes. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Reenactments? Um, pretty
0: good. They're good. I really liked the 40s reenactments in my first mystery. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know that there's anything, like, too spectacular, but they're solid. Yeah, they're solid. What is definitely solid is the fashion. Yeah. Two thumbs up for fashion. I give it even more than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It was excellent. And then Robert Stack, I don't know. We said once he looked disheveled, so I think he gets a thumbs down. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. And then, okay, so zero to five Robert Stacks for this one. I don't know. I feel like I'm, like, a 2.5? I was going to say a three. A three?
0: Because there are some good mysteries here, but I don't want to watch it again. Yeah, okay. That's a good a good gauge. Right? Like these are some interesting cases, but they're also just sad and unsolved. Unsolved and I don't know. There's an unnecessary update on fumbles. Yes. Yes. Guess what, guys, fumbles got caught. That guy that couldn't even rob a bank without falling down, they caught him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are your recommendations this week? I have to like wipe the sweat from my brow we are kind of sweating in here and take us no okay
0: so i have a little recommendation which is something that i ordered on etsy which is an enamel pin this is from a cryptic cryptid club series from the store quail tea like a pun on quality (laughs) quail tea goods and it's a little mothman look how (gasps) cute this mothman is oh my god this is adorable Oh my god! And it she, says "Cryptid Club." She also has a lake monster one and a bigfoot one. That's but obviously, adorable. I got adorable Mothman.
1: I think I need to buy one.
0: I kind of want to make a tote bag of different unsolved mysteries ish pins and patches and stuff because I'm cool. I love that. My other recommendation is that I actually saw a movie that's in the theaters right now.
1: Whoa,
0: I know surprising, so I'm going to tell people that you should definitely go see sorry for bothering you. It's amazing oh okay it um I cannot believe that I saw this in like an a m c mainstream theater like because it's just so weird and cool and like. Not the sort of movie that I would expect to see at normal movie theater. I don't want to say too much about it because I feel like it should be a surprise. Okay, But it's kind of like a magical realism thing about a guy who gets a job at like a call center, like telemarketing job, and then all the weird shit that happens after that happens. And it's really, really funny and super anti-capitalist. So you should go for the jokes and stay for the political messaging. And it's just like oh yeah it's just a really cool film and i was asking mac like i don't even understand how this got made and apparently it won the screenplay won some sort of sundance award and it got money from that and that's how the movie was made and i just think that's really cool that that worked hmm. like that, that system like worked to produce an interesting movie it's written and directed by boots riley and cool i think you should yeah go see it in the theater it was really Have fun a date
1: night. that sounds lovely yeah
0: that's my recommendation Awesome. I just don't want to give too much away. So I'm just going to say you should see it. Just
1: take my word for it. Cool. And when you're at home, if you're looking for a movie, I'm recommending oh. a new movie. I'm, on, a new I'm ne- often Netflix at home. Original. So one of my guilty pleasures is a- end of the world alien movies. Okay. Like, uh-huh. I'm no Tom Cruise fan, but I love War of the Worlds. One no. of my, when you were talking earlier about movies that make you mad. Yeah. Every sequel to Cloverfield makes me want to punch a wall. Because uh-huh. I love the first Cloverfield. It's one of my favorite movies. And then, yeah, every sequel that they've done are disappointing. Like, the sure. most recent one that came out that was a Netflix original. I are was, they like, in space? They're in space, but it's so weird. It's yeah. weird. The plot makes no sense. and they I have, just heard
0: everyone hated it, and I don't watch it.
1: They have nothing to do with the... I think the idea behind the Cloverfield, like, sequel movies is they're trying to make, like, an anthology okay? where, like, there's different stories that are completely independent, but they, like, fit in the same... I don't understand it all. Okay. All I want is an actual sequel to that movie, and they won't give it to us. <laughs> and it makes me so mad. Anyway, Netflix just came out with a movie called Extinction. Okay. And it's... I really liked it for what it is, which is an end-of-the-world alien movie. Sure. Um, there's a twist in it that is took me by surprise, which you think that when you watch an end-of-the-world alien movies, they're going to follow kind of the same plot. And yeah. this one had... me I watched it with Travis. We were both like, whoa. It was really... It's really, really good. Um... It also has a diverse cast. Nice. Um, which I feel like is not something that you see in these movies. you Usually no. it's just white guys. Sure.
0: Well, all movies. White guys all the time.
1: Yeah. So I thought that was really good. Um, It was just, it was excellent. They, It's a typical end of the world alien movie. They like yada, 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 a lot of the plot, but you're not really looking f- to watch That's these fine. movies sure. for like Oscar worthy dramas or whatever. So I really liked it. I was thoroughly entertained. Um, I would definitely recommend it. It seems like they're setting up for a sequel at the end, which is nice. Hmm, so there might okay. be more if you really liked it. Cool.
0: I am often at home, so maybe Watching I'll, Netflix. Maybe yeah, I'll give that a look. Mm-hmm. Is that all we have for today? I think so. Shh. Okay, so go on the Facebooks, the, the Instagrams. Twitters. That's perhaps it's you. If you want to email us for any of the reasons we previously discussed, that's perhaps it's you, Podcast at gmail.com um we will have a patreon episode this month that's gonna be
1: about in search of yes with leonard nimoy
0: so for any dollar amount you get that one bet on episode a month and other cool extra stuff we send mm-hmm. you a postcard join our facebook group search mm-hmm. perhaps it's you you'll find it mm-hmm is we... that it is I'm that tired. all the stuff that we say sure i feel is. like i'm forgetting something but eh, whatever i'm really hot so i'm Same. just gonna say bye now okay bye solve some mysteries bitches bye